Welcome back to the show. Today, I've got a fantastic guest today. I've got Lawrence Edwards. Now, you'd know Lawrence from his business, Black Mountain Honey, and his fantastic YouTube videos. Thanks for being with us today, Lawrence. Oh, well, thanks for having me on board. It's great. Like, it feels like it's been about 24 hours since you first sent me an email and we were chatting and then we just dive straight into it, which I love. There's no no messing around, no planning. We just crack straight on with it. Yeah, excellent. And thanks again for the uh, YouTube videos. They're fantastic, mate. Oh, no problem. I, I love doing the videos. It, it started off kind of as a, I remember, I remember coming into my wife and saying, I'm, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And she just looked at me and said, why? And I said, oh, I don't really know. And she said, but everyone, like, it was a, it was a honey selling business. And she said, you're going to do a YouTube video to sell honey to beekeepers. And it kind of took me back. I thought, yeah, she's got a good point. She's got a good point. And it, um, but I was, I was stubborn enough to ignore her and just cracked on with it anyway. You're just a big PewDiePie fan. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I do. Like, like I, my, my normal job is quite, it's, it's, it's a good job, but it's pretty dull. Um, and I think I was just pining for a creative outlet, something something a bit more fun, a bit more creative. Yeah. No, well, they're fantastic. You've done a really good job. So um, oh, thanks very much. how'd you like to start us off today with a, a funny beekeeping story? Oh, I love this. I've got loads of funny beekeeping stories. They're, they're not so much, actually, they're not funny. They're more kind of like funny at my expense. And like, this seems to be like a common theme with my beekeeping, whether I'm getting like stung badly by the bees or doing something horribly wrong. But the one that I always go back to is that when I was starting out beekeeping, I wanted to do everything on the cheap. And I wasn't, I didn't want to buy bees. I didn't want to buy queens. So I, I was like regular swarm hunting. And I was, do, I was going around swarm hunting and I, did, I just didn't really know what I was doing. But you know, you want to just get more, more bees equals more fun. So I remember going to this one place trying to get some, get this big, huge swarm. And I turned up with, with kind of very little gear other than just like a cardboard box. And I was still like quite a bit of bravado. Didn't, didn't think I needed the bee suit. And I, and I went to collect this huge swarm on this lady's tree and was all casual and thought I was Billy Big Boots and went and knocked it into this box and everything, everything was going to plan and like pretty much every single bee dropped down into this cardboard box and I just got closed it up. Didn't, didn't tape it up because, you know, didn't need to tape it up. And I just casually walked back to the car and just tripped over and tripped over this big log and the bees just went all over me and they were <laughs> I just never forget like the look on the lady's face was just like, you just haven't got a clue what you're doing, have you? And I, I just had to kind of shuffle back to the car, try and clean up the mess and go home and uh, yeah. have some yeah. have some treats from men things. Not good. Oh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny. You always and you have a bit of an audience when that happens. Uh yeah. I think I had about five people there waiting for me on my first ever swarm catch. So I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I've had a, I've had another one that was that was not not similar, but swarm catching as well, where you turn up to a swarm and then it's like proper beekeeper wars. And there's there's other people they're fighting for them, and they say, "Well, I've had a, I've had a phone call to come and collect this," and I say, "Well, I had I had a phone call as well," and they said, "Yeah, but someone's called me to collect this swarm. Like I'm collecting it." And I said, "I'm halfway through the collection." Okay. Um, people call <laughs> me territorial over the swarms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I've never had that one, but that's really interesting. Um, all right, now, Lawrence, you sell a lot of Buckfast queens. Um, do you want to tell us? Uh, about the Buckfast bee, why why you're a fan of it and uh, and 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 why you sell it? 
So I wasn't always, uh, not necessarily not a fan of Buckfast, but I didn't used to keep Buckfast. So in the UK, we have a lot of fans of native bees. So in the UK, we have Apis mellifera mellifera, or cl as close as possible to that as you can get. And it, it, there's a huge argument for trying to keep and promote that native or as close to native bee as you can get. And for the first few years, that's what I did. I kept local bees and local mongrels. And I, I was always attracted by Buckfast and kind of saw other people using it, but was always told by everyone, no, it's wrong, it's bad, don't don't use Buckfast because they're going to interbreed with the native bee and the, the next generations are going to be aggressive and horrible. Um, you want dark bees, you want native bees, that's what you should stick to. So I did for a good few years, stuck to that, but I was never happy with them. Like we, we would, if you were lucky, you'd get some honey. And if you weren't lucky, you would get no honey, but you would definitely get quite a lot of aggression and anger and chalk brood and just, just generally not a nice, happy beekeeping experience. And I remember very vividly one day going out and I had my full beekeeping suit on and I had about maybe 30 or 40 colonies at that point, going out and doing a full day of inspection. And I just got halfway through and I just thought, I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Like this is, it's psychologically draining doing all this work and not getting any honey, but I physically cannot handle the pain of being stung so much through my bee suit, just trying to inspect the bees. So, so I thought that's it. I just, I got to try something. So I bought some bike fast and the rest is history, I guess, because as soon as I bought them, like kind of four or five weeks later, you started to see what they did in terms of how prolific they made the bees. I wasn't, I wasn't used to having 12 friends of brood, and I wasn't used to having brood going up to the edges of the frames. But then as soon as they emerged, and it was really easy to see because you've got really dark bees versus really orange bees, you just noticed the temperament tran transition very quickly. And I just didn't have angry bees. Within about eight to 12 weeks, they were just calm. And you could open them up and they were calm on the frame. So I, for me, I was sold on that. The temperament was the seller for me because... I kind of thought, you know what, I'm not really making much honey anyway because the bees are not really doing it for me, but at least I'm not getting stung. But then the following season, after I jumped fully into Buckfast, like instead of getting maybe one super or half a super of honey, I was getting four or five supers on each of my colonies. And I just thought, well, what's what's not to like with Buckfast? Like it just seems to be everything's everything's clicking. They're doing what I want them to do. They're making honey, not getting the chalk brood, and they're really friendly. There just doesn't seem to be any downsides. You get your Buckfast lines from Duncan Simmons, is that right? So I, I always believe in like trying lots of different things and not judging things until you've tried them yourself. And I, I think that stands true with the Buckfast as well. So I do use Duncan's lines. I've probably bred off, uh, I've had about 20 or 30 queens from Duncan and there's two that I really like. And, and, and like, I like all of them. Duncan is a brilliant, brilliant Buckfast breeder. But there's two that I really like. And of those two, I've probably grafted like 1,200, 1,300 queens from them. And they, they're, they're the breeder queens we've been using for the last two or three years for our uh, nucleus colonies that we send out to people, specifically for that trait of calmness. So that, that's for us what we prioritise above everything else. We don't say, okay, well... But, got colony there that's occasionally get a little bit grumpy but they're doing twice as much honey our market is people who are starting beekeeping people who have got like one or two years beekeeping and we just want to make it as pleasurable for them as possible 
And for them, if they're comparing four supers of honey versus five supers of honey, genuinely not going to know the difference because it's too much honey than you know what to do with. But yeah, Duncan's Queens are, are really, really good. And it's so good to have someone kind of actually within the UK who is breeding pure Buckfast because since Brexit, it's been very difficult to import them in. So mm. having Duncan's really, really good. Mm. Now, I had Duncan on the show last year and he told me the story of how he started breeding Buckfast. He actually got a gift of six uh Buckfast Queens uh, straight from Brother Adam, which was really, really cool and uh, nice. a great story. Yeah. Um, so tell us uh, what, what's the best part about having a UK mated Buckfast? Because you do UK mated and some European stuff. We do. Yeah. So I, I get that's probably the number one question that I get asked, which is like, what, what's the difference between your UK mated Queens, your UK mated Buckfast Queens, and your like imported F1 Buckfast Queens? Which one should I buy? And my answer to everyone is always, I just go with the go with the cheaper ones because in in terms of quality, there's really not much there's really not much difference. Like they're both very good. For for me personally, though, I much prefer to sell someone the UK queens and, and queen mating in the UK is it's not is not as good as it is in other parts of the world where you just have a really like nice long season. We don't get that much sun. But what I love is just I love seeing my queens in other people's colonies and i kind of think that's the work that's my work that's gone into that like we're we're not we're not breeders we, do, we don't do the the science behind the breeding like we're very much queen rearers so we we let people like duncan and, and other people in the field the experts do do what they need to do to give us kind of perfectly pure buckfast queens and, and good mothers for for the queens that we're rearing so kind of i <laughs> You know, it's quite it's quite easy for us rearing queens is pretty easy but then not everyone has access to someone like duncan and duncan doesn't have an endless supply of top top quality queens and i like to think that he'll you know set aside some good ones for us but yeah so the, the difference between the two is that there isn't a huge amount of difference in quality but i do yeah i, I like selling the uk ones just because they're my babies Mm -hmm. And do you notice there's much of a variation between the lines of the origin of Buckfast uh, bees around Europe? Yeah, huge, huge origin. And this is the strange thing. And this, I think this winds a lot of people up about Buckfast because they say, well, that's definitely not a Buckfast queen because it's really dark. And I say, well, it, it is, trust me, like it's, it's a pure Buckfast queen that I've taken and I've grafted from it. And it's just that that is just the line. They all come out the same color. It's just kind of nuance of the line that it's like a darker buck fast or you get a lighter buck fast so what i really love about it is that genetic diversity and that people take it off in kind of slightly different directions but it's all you're kind of trying to reach that end point and the same traits that were being bred for but it, it's a hybrid isn't it it's, it's not a perfect species of bee you're not looking for uniformity you're looking for kind of driving towards the traits that people want mm -hmm. so so that's what makes it exciting for me mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, so in your YouTube videos, you've got a couple of different videos about how to build cells. You've got one on the Michael Palmer 10 over 10 method, and you've also got a queen right starter finisher. Do you want to tell us uh, what what do you prefer and what are you using at the moment and what are the good good points about both? So I, I still use the 10 over 10. So for me, that was the first method that I ever learned. And, and I just think it's a really, really good method. I've got so much respect for Michael Palmer. Like, he's a great guy. But the method for me, I think it works so well in terms of quantity. 
So just, just you can just do so many graphs and you can put them in the starter and you can literally take them out within 24 hours and you can reuse the starter a number of times. So, so the work that goes into creating that starter, if you want it to, you can get you can probably get a lot more than I get. You can easily get like two, 300 graphs started in there and then you can move them on for finishing elsewhere. So I think in terms of numbers, that, that's the best one and that's the one that I'll always go back to and that's the one kind of commercially that I will always use. The reason that I started doing the other ones though is that I had loads of comments coming back saying that I just, it's not, I've got three hives in my back garden. Like it's not for me, I can't really build a starter and, and give a starter that much resource from my small apiary. Is there another method? And having tried pretty much every single different YouTube video out there, the one that people always come back to is they say, can you just show us as many different queen rearing techniques as possible? So that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. I've not, I've not tried a huge amount. Like I've tried, uh, I, I, I use the 10 out of 10 over 10 because I love it and I know it works. And then I dabble in other ones. And that's what I'm going to continue to do, which is dabble in other ones. But what I do like about the, the single, the single box method is just the simplicity of it. And when I was trying it out for the first time, I wasn't necessarily sure that it was going to work. I kind of thought this doesn't really I understand the science behind that, like, the separation between the, the queen and the cells and the open brood. But I just didn't think it was going to produce the queens as well as it produced. And if I if I was a beekeeper and I just had a couple of like maybe three or four colonies in my back garden, it, that, that's a far neater solution because you're not um, investing so many resources in a starter and you can just kind of take the cells out and use them as you need them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's the same with me as well. I get a lot of questions about this and I'm actually trialing uh, a few of my own queen right uh, cell builders at the moment. And I do agree with that. Um, now, Lawrence, where can we find you online? Um, so every, everywhere is the answer. So we, we try and, and spread our wings as far as they'll go. Like we put a huge amount of efforts into YouTube. So you can obviously find us there. But I do, I feel I've probably neglected the other social media channels a little bit. So especially Instagram and, and Twitter, X as it's now known. But even, even ones like TikTok. So, so I'm starting to try and post a little bit more over on the different social media channels. It's interesting you say, because obviously the, the, the main place to find us is our website. And we've just spent about the, the best part of six months revamping the website. And it goes live on Friday, the 12th of January. And I'm so excited because it it's been completely transformed. Like I built the old website and it was just a standard Wix site. And it was good. It was fine. And it worked. But I just I wanted to try and take it to the next level. Mm, so I well, just ran the, the yeah, current so website is actually really good as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like it. Like I, I, I self-built that, but I just, it's, it just, it needed the, the input of a professional. So I just invested in some random person on the internet who had some relatively good reviews and, and trusted him. And I'm so glad I did. He's done a really, really good job. So it's going to hopefully move us up a notch in the rankings. Oh, fantastic. Now, uh, speaking about that, what, what uh, products are you offering in 2024? Uh, so, so same as same as last year, really. We're not ones for over diversifying in terms of number of products or the range of individual products. In fact, we do quite the opposite. We just try and keep it simple. So, we're selling nukes, but we focus on just two frame types, which is a national and a Langstroth, which is gaining quite a lot of popularity. We, but we nearly sold out. Like we set ourselves a target to to reach a kind of like a fifty percent 
of our capacity by the 1st of January. And we're going to have sold out by the 1st of January for the overwintered nukes. So we're, the demand is huge for those. And then the same with the Queens. Like we, we don't offer a huge variety. We, we've put a few more in, a few different lines in. So we've got some Italians this year and some Carly Olands. And then even spreading out, we've got some different VSH Buckfast lines coming in, not, not bred or reared by me. They're, they're coming in from Malta as well. But good, good selection of Queens, good selection of nukes. And then we've got the honey products to kind of supplement them. Mm, that's interesting. All right. Well, thanks uh, so much for being on the show today, Lawrence. Is there anything else you'd like to chat about before we, we wrap it up? I'm just a little bit jealous of how warm it's going to be in Australia today. So go on, do you want to rub it? <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got a very nice day ahead of me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> about four degrees here and drizzly. So we'll leave it on that note, eh? Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be great here. Uh, well, well, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, keep bringing us those fantastic videos. Really appreciate that too. Nice one. Cheers, Brent. Thanks for the right. invite. Take care. Thank you. Okay, well, how good was that having a chat with Lawrence? He is a great guy. And if you haven't seen his YouTube videos, they're really, really good. I highly recommend it. I'll link that channel in the show notes below. If you're in the UK and you're looking for an overwintered nuke or some queens, he's got the UK mated Buckfast queens. He's got the European Buckfast queens. He's going to have some Italians coming in this year. So that's all on the website, which I'll link below. And uh, while you're on the website, check out some of the other cool stuff he's doing. He's doing Hoster Hive. He's got a honey extraction service. He's got heaps of really, really good content on how to raise queens, step-by-step instructions, videos. Really, really good stuff. So thanks again, Lawrence, for coming on the show. Now, here's something new. I've just started a Facebook group for this podcast. It's called Breeding the Honeybee, and it's a great place to join the community, have a chat about the episodes, maybe teach us a few things. So I'll link that group in the show notes. And until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.